Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. This is day 311, and we come to one of the most famous chapters in all of Scripture, the great love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this chapter and for the truth of it, for the light that it sheds upon our lives, and we pray that you would be our teacher and our guide through it today. Write it on our hearts and help us to live it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. I know you've heard it before. It's very popular at weddings, popular for Valentine's Day sermons for churches who do that kind of thing. We don't at Forest Hill. But it's a wonderful chapter. And it's one of those, though, that could be, you know, familiarity breeds contempt kind of a thing. Like, oh, I've heard that before. 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, yeah, the love chapter. But do we really think about what this is saying? We have the necessity of love in verses 1 to 3. We have the character and the attributes of love in verses 4 to 8, the beginning of 8. And then we have the everlasting endurance of love uh, in verses 8 to um, 13. So first, the necessity of love. God is love, and God has given us two great commandments that summarize the whole law and the prophets, and that is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. These two commandments, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So love is absolutely necessary. You can be an eloquent speaker. You can be someone who has profound knowledge. You could have the gift of prophecy. You could speak in the tongues of men of angels, really, you know, going over and to the mission field and instantly being able to speak other languages, which no one can do anymore. But, uh, you know, like in the book of Acts, 
You could do all of that. You you could you could have so much faith that you move mountains. You could you could give away everything. You could be so generous and so self-giving that you could just empty yourself up for the poor. And if you don't have love, it, it's worthless. All of it's worthless. Knowledge without love is worthless. Wonderful eloquence without love is worthless. Profound and deep generosity without love is worthless. Faith, earth-moving faith without love is worthless. Love is absolutely necessary because God is love and we are called to love. So what does love look like? In our culture, love is accepting. And our culture refuses to define love beyond love is love, which says nothing and yet says so much, doesn't it? Right? Ever thought about that? Love is love. Well, duh, obviously. But you mean something else by that, don't you? And what they mean by that is that love is all accepting. Of course, nobody means love is all accepting. We all have our boundaries. We all have our standards. We all have things that we consider to be love and not love. But what does God consider to be love? Well, love is patient and kind. It suffers long and treats people with tenderness. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not It's not self-seeking. It's not saying, oh, you have something I wish I had, or look at me, I have this, I'm so great. Oh, I'm better than you. Love doesn't do any of that. It, no, it neither covets what others have, nor boasts of what it has, nor thinks of itself as being better than others. It's not rude, right? It doesn't treat people with disrespect. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's my way or the highway. This is the way we do it around my place. That's not love. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. That starts to challenge some of our culture's definition, doesn't it? There is right and there is wrong. And love will not rejoice at wrongdoing because love, when it sees someone doing wrong, knows that the wrong that person is doing is harming them. And so love will not rejoice at a person harming themselves, but wants to see them walking in truth. The apostle of love, the apostle John, in 3 John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Love wants people to walk in the truth and rejoices with the truth, not with lies and not with wrongdoing. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or never fails. Love is more than unconditional. It's given to those who are undeserving. It's not just given absent of condition. It's given in the face of, of ill-deservingness, in the face of demerit, in the face of, of hatred. Jesus loved those who crucified him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for Peter who denied him. Jesus saved Saul who persecuted him. Love bears up under, believes God for, hopes in God's promises through, and endures all things, and it never fails. Now, contrasted to love, which never ends or never fails, there are things which do end and which do fail. We're given three of them, and then we're given two of them, but love never does. So this part of verses 8 through 13 is probably the most controversial and difficult to understand part of 1 Corinthians 13, but it's vital that we understand it to understand what God is saying here. 
When Paul wrote this, there were prophecies still being given to the church. The scripture was not complete. The canon of scripture was not yet finished. And so new prophecies were still being given, but God said they were going to pass away. There were tongues, but God said they would cease. There were words of knowledge. This isn't just knowledge as in, I know that the, you know, capital of Maryland is Annapolis, you know, and I know that, you know, diesel fuel is selling for like five seventy-five a gallon right now, which is absurd, but I'd, it's not knowledge of that. It's knowledge of a, a word of knowledge, a word of divinely given insight into the nature of things. These are what we call supernatural gifts or more to the point revelatory gifts. These three revelatory gifts, ways that you receive revelation from God through prophecy, through tongues, and then the interpretation of it, and through word of knowledge, they're all said to be passing away. Passing away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. There's something coming that's going to be perfect and complete. I believe that's that something in verse 10 is the word of God, the scripture, the complete Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Once that's complete, you don't need partial knowledge and partial words anymore. When that comes, the church grew up from its childhood during the apostolic age when things were fresh and new. The foundation of the of the living temple of God was still being laid. Ephesians 2.20, look that up. The foundations laid in the apostles and prophets. While that foundation was being laid, new revelation was being given. It was the childhood of the new covenant church. But then there was a maturity. And the maturity comes when the canon of scripture is complete and revelation is finished. I don't think it's coincidental that the end of revelation says, don't add to the words of the prophecy of this book. Don't take away from it either. That's the last chapter of scripture that says that. And I believe it's true, not just of revelation, but for all of scripture. Don't add to it by saying you have a new word from God, like the prophet Muhammad did, or the so-called prophet Joseph Smith did, or any other ones who've come along who've said, I have a word from the Lord, and it's not chapter and verse in the Bible. It's some from somewhere else. That's that's not right, I don't think. I think that we've come to where we have that which is perfect, the word of God, complete and entire, sufficient for all things. We've come to maturity. Now, there's a second step of what's going to happen, and that's in verse 12, when we will see face to face, when we will know fully, even as we are fully known. That doesn't come with the coming of scripture, which I believe is what's referenced in verse 10, the completion of the canon of scripture, that comes when we're in heaven and we see God face to face. But he says, so now these three abide. So you see, there's three things that pass away, prophecies, tongues, words of knowledge, revelatory gifts, three, they pass away, verse eight. Three abide, they remain, even when the perfect comes, even when maturity comes, but they remain until we are face to face until we are fully known. And those three that remain are faith, hope, and love. But in the end, the greatest of these is love. Why? Because that's the only one that remains even after we are face to face and we know fully even as we are fully known. Now, faith, hope, and love abide. But forever and ever, love will remain. What is what is? heaven going to be. Jonathan Edwards said it in a famous sermon, heaven is a world of endless love, an ocean of love, something like that. Butchered the title of his sermon. But anyway, his point of his sermon is that when you get to heaven, it's just, it's just love. 
unendingly. We don't need faith anymore in heaven. It'll be sight. We don't need hope anymore. It'll be the realization of our hope. But we will always love. So love is necessary. Love is defined by the character of God. And love is eternal. It will always be. And love is ultimately found embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, the embodiment of love. Thank you for the gift of loving us. We love because you first loved us. So show us how to love, even as we have been loved. Help us to love one another with the love that you've given us and help us to endure in faith, hope, and love until the day comes when there will be no more faith and no more hope, but only love. How we long for that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Corinthians 13 today. Tomorrow we'll be back in the book of Joshua, Lord willing. Join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.